the epic sounds of Big Black Delta, Kid Icarus. I absolutely love this song. I love this album. And uh, I found this album because of uh, my guest today. Wasn't it you that found Big Black Delta? Yeah. Yeah, see, she loves this. <laughs> see, part of being in a good relationship is knowing when to give. And I give. I gave that to you. You really did. <laughs> You're listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? And uh, by popular demand, I have the lovely Gina Manning back on the show today. What are you fucking doing to your mic stand? I think stand? that's what it's meant for. Because this, you know what? You don't have any drag because yours is using that output. I don't know why mine's not on that little oh, one. Oh, <laughs> typical, typical. Here, let me pull the board closer so that your mic, your headphone you. cable doesn't drag. I don't as- need that kind of tension right now. <laughs> Already. We're, we're two seconds in. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, man. So, um, hi. Welcome back to the show, Beans. Thanks for having me. Traffic was a little bad. Sorry I was late. I know. Late. You're on the list of late guests, <laughs> and you live here. You know? Um, but, uh, no, it's, I wasn't kidding. I had uh, some folks uh, reach out to me, I think it was last week, because you kind of were on the show, because you're always kind of in the background, and they're like, we want Gina back. That's very sweet of them. Mm-hmm. So now here you are back. Finally, have a moment of uh, rest, respite, mm-hmm. as they say, uh, after what, like months and months and months of work that you've been hustling yes. through. Many months. Yes. Um, so for those of you who haven't been to keeping up, uh, thank you for following me on Instagram because that seems to be the only place that your work gets promoted these days. That's true. Because <laughs> you're not promoting your work on your on your own Instagram. I don't have time. I was busy and now I'm taking a break. I now don't want to do that. Break, I'm on a break. You don't want to promote your shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yeah, let me just catch everybody up. Thank you for following me on Instagram. I'm Mike Petchy. Thank you for following the podcast on Instagram at In Love With The Process Pod. And, uh, Gina, as well. What's your Instagram handle? Gina? Oh no, I was, I was smirking because you said following me on the podcast. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my Instagram is Gina underscore Dizella. Gina underscore Dizella. And every once in a while, maybe every few weeks, there might be a new post up. Yes. There. Yes. So, Look out. Something new. Um, <clears throat> I mean, follow me for my stories. No. I have a very highly, highly curated story. Yeah, mostly uh, animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's your dopamine. Yes. Drug of choice. Cute, fuzzy animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like you. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's very fluffy. <laughs> Cute, fuzzy, and fluffy. Animals. <laughs> um. Uh. So let's see what's going on before we get into it. Big shout out to everybody, all of the super fans of the show who have been purchasing t-shirts. As promised, I offered them up, and as promised, I shipped them out. I made sure to sign them. And some some of uh, some very uh. special Jesus Christ jeans. Some very special guests also got super fan pins. We both have acid reflux this morning. It's like mm. two old people. Um, we did so, have dinner at like 10 p.m. last night. That's so. true. Way too late. 
Um, so thank you everybody that uh, continues to support me, continues to support the podcast by buying t-shirts. Um, I do have a few left. I do have a few left, a few various sizes. So just drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what size it is. Um, we're charging for the shirts, but if you're broke, you know, reach out, make an offer. Maybe you just pay for shipping and I'll hook you up. So I'm a bad business person. <laughs> Gina, just give me a frown. You don't like it when I give things away for free. No, it just, it was very uh, subliminal. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, thank you everybody for that. And, uh, yeah, we were just playing Big Black Delta on the intro. Um, it was his birthday yesterday, so big shout yeah. out to him, man. Happy birthday, Happy Jonathan. Happy birthday, big boy. My big boy, buddy. Um, he just, for those of you who don't know, he just worked and scored um, my new movie, which he fucking crushed. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing, because how long have we been fans of his work, whether or not he knows it? <laughs> oh, a, over a decade. <laughs> But uh, I just, I felt so lucky to have him on board and his contributions, not only in his sonic abilities, but also his taste Mm -hmm. really helped uh, me shape the emotional core of the film, Mm -hmm. which you worked on as well. Gina was also a big part, associate producer on it, dragged my ass out of bed a couple of days. (laughs) Which was nice. And then uh, also makeup. did the makeup, right? Helped do the set, set dress. design. Yep. yep. It came out pretty good. You happy with the movie? Yeah, it's amazing. I think yeah. it's the best thing you've made yet. Oh, you're a sweetheart. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. And I appreciate all your help. I feel very fortunate that we are such a creative duo, you know? Me too. You're, you're either deep in my shit or I'm deep in your shit. That's true. A lot of shit to go around. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's new? What's new with you? When was the last time I was on here? I feel like it was pre B. Was it pre B? I, I don't think I've been on here since B Miller, B Miller in October. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we got a lot to catch up on. All right. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, Gina has been working for two album cycles with B Miller doing all of her stuff. So basically you were charged with this time around charged with doing, uh, all the visuals for her upcoming music. Right, 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 right. And it's not really an album, right? They're not really dropping it. Yeah? Uh, we don't want it. Okay. So. <laughs> that is not to be said on this podcast. <laughs> okay. So, so then. She has music coming out. She's got music coming out. Over the course. what It's been every month now for four months. The fifth month is going to come out. Yeah, yeah. This month. Yeah. Yeah, and we just uh, we just finished a video last night. Mm-hmm. We just finished editing a video last night. We just released, which w- I think is your favorite video of all the B. Miller videos that you did, right? Yeah, so far. I mean, there's others I'm looking forward to. We should also just talk about that because nobody knows about that project in okay, general. Okay, yeah, let's get into yeah. it. So you were tasked to do um, all of her videos, and you just didn't want to... Um, you like to have a like a special meaning behind all the projects that you do, correct? Yeah, that's something that B and I both relate to is we just can't do dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> we have to like something or the two of us need to know a meaning behind something that no one else does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's good, right? Because then you guys add a lot of texture to it and then it ends up becoming inspirational yeah, when you're shooting. It, it's like, why do it elsewise? There'll be people 
coming from all different angles telling you that music videos don't matter anymore and it's all mm. about TikTok. So B and I don't agree with that. And we set out to create something that we love and we hope that all of her fans love as well. Yeah. And so what was the what's the theory of this whole thing? Uh, the theory is we're exploring different taboo themes, which is kind of B's MO in general. She's so honest with her lyrics. So we put together 12 ideas, 12 themes we want to explore. And I don't know, we could talk about mm-hmm. how we shot them. Yeah, but let's talk about the 12 themes. Sure. So you were inspired by uh, cabinets, right? Like the old cabinets? Yeah, well, B took me last May <clears throat> to the getty museum to look at renaissance paintings and that was kind of the fuel for all of this so we worked backwards from paintings that we loved and then themes and why we loved them and then we kind of built out these worlds and compartmentalized them and the fun thing is like how do you visually showcase emotions and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what what's the theory of, of cabinets do you remember what the specifics were uh back in the day it was mostly dudes who had rooms in their house that only really special people, other dudes, were allowed to go into. Or is it like a creep chamber? Yeah. <laughs> and it'd be like taboo <laughs> stuff, like paintings of the guy with his, you know, the person he's having an affair with, and his wife can't see that. So we wanted to st- take a modern spin on that and talk about themes that I think still, even today, people are afraid to talk about. Creepy, actually. Yeah. It's funny. It's like <laughs> back in the day, like your dick pic had to be in a closet oh. painted on a wall. <laughs> <laughs> painted. That's the worst part. <laughs> That's cool. So then you took like this really sort of personal, deep, sort of dark uh, voyage with B into like different emotions that um, she likes or that she's been through, basically. Yeah, that that I think we both, I think everyone can relate to whether or not they like to talk about it. Um, yeah. A lot of important themes that we deal with every day. Well, you're very lucky to have B as a client because she, oh my God, yes. she really is less concerned with being like you know, the typical pop star. She's very much into like emotional context and what she's going through. And yeah, she's into being a real artist and not just someone who's on social media to, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think her new album is probably the most rock and roll album. That oh my she's God. It's done. amazing. Yeah. I feel so lucky that we know what it sounds like. <laughs> yes, yes. Cause it's, it's very rock and roll obsessed. I, I think I insulted her one day when I said to her, like, this album sounds like garbage. And she goes, Oh, and I go, no, the band garbage. <laughs> She's like, oh, fuck you, Mike. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's got like a very sort of 90s throwback, like a lot of like, uh, you know, rock guitar. Yeah, it's epic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you've done, how many videos have we finished at this point? Five? Uh, I, we're, we're almost wrapped with that fifth one once we get the approval. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, last night we just put the, the finishing touches on the edit last night for five. Um, so then uh, let's let's walk through the video. So the first one was? Uh, Lonely Bitch. Lonely Bitch, which let's talk about, let's talk about the, what we were uh, sort of dealing with when it came to how do you do something on an epic scale on sort of the modern uh, business plan of record labels yeah. and artists right now, which is tough, right? Because we, even though this album sounds like it belongs in the 90s, <laughs> the video budgets aren't in the 90s at no. this point. And that's all all artists. I'll, I'll get even A-list, you know, giant names with 
micro budgets and I'm just like, I got, what was it? Like a YouTube brief and they had $5,000 and I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. For YouTube. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are on everyone's iPhones for the past, you know, 20 years or whatever. Yeah. Like it came with my phone for yeah. free. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's true. Like I think it's because priorities have shifted. I think it's a bunch of things. I think it's priorities have shifted. I think that the big change for them was that there wasn't that steady sense of income that came from CDs and physical media that everybody had to buy, which at that point when you were doing a music video, it was essentially uh, an advertisement or, you know, a TV ad for the fucking CDs, which, you know, you can equate to like, hey, we'll spend a half a million dollars on this music video, but then this will go out on MTV and then suddenly we'll get, you know, how, whatever that return. Sure. And, and people are still recovering from COVID and no live tours and the live tours was the other reason why people were doing videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's tough right now. And there's a lot of folks that listen to the show that are music video directors and you guys all know what we're talking about. I was hanging out with the music video director a few weeks ago and her and I were talking about budgets. So this is the the reality artists can sometimes pay for their stuff like i feel like taylor swift puts in her own money to make epic music videos so i mean she also directs them so that she can do whatever she wants yes that's true <laughs> quote unquote directs them um but then it's same thing with like miley cyrus i was we were watching the miley cyrus stuff that she did so she did a, a, a music video recently and then she did a whole concert film i thought that was great you showed me that you had watched it like three times it's by true. the time you showed it to me it's true <laughs> uh and she did a whole concert film that was on the disney channel and even with her though you could see the clever workings of how they put together their music videos now where it seems like what they did is they shot her initial music video in this house but that same team was there and they did the entire i wouldn't even call it a concert film i would just call it you know, musician propaganda stuff that they put on Disney. So it ends up becoming one of those films that are up there. That seems to be one of the new outlets. Instead of music videos, you're like uh, Beyonce or you're her or you're, um, what's her name? The young kid that uh, did really well. She was huge. And her brother writes the music. Oh, my God. The big I want to let you sit in this moment. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Anyway. So it seems like that's part of their business strategy now is like, it's more important for them to make a music film than it is sure. to make a music video. And whatever, the music industry, I mean, now with the writer's strike, I might be getting back into the music industry again. <laughs> so far, I've been very selective and pretty much B is the only person I'll work with. <laughs> yeah, because it's tough. It's tough. There's a lot of high expectations that are put on you as a director. And and it's just a dip. They more times than not, I hate to talk shit, but like every time I get into a music project with, you know, it's not just the artist, it's the artist's insecurities filtered through a manager who's compensating for what they do for yeah. their job. So it's like, by the time I'm about to sign a contract, I'm like, I know too many bad things about what's coming ahead. And if I'm signing on as creative director for like five or six months, I'm going to turn down this project because there's no amount of abuse or money that can like equate to the amount of abuse that some people will put you through. And it took you a while to get to this point. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of young filmmakers out there really need to get to this point earlier where you start to assess because you've been through some nightmare scenarios mm -hmm. where you've worked with folks and then you've gotten caught in the drama, caught in the whirlwind of stuff. And you've seen how bad that can go. Mm hmm. Um, and oftentimes you're pulled into a situation as an outsider or as a freelancer that is like a bad family situation or abusive family situation. And then you have to try to navigate th this professionally. And it's yeah. incredibly difficult to do. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's good that you now have the nose for it, where you can actually sn sniff these things out. You have a system in place for yourself where as you get asked to write on something or, or go through something, you actually have a line of questioning that you give to your clients. At this yeah. Point. And can I talk to the artist or can I talk to the manager? Because I need to vet, vet that out right away. Yeah, because you're going to be trapped with it for months and months and yeah. months. Yeah. But anyway, so with B, very fortunate because she kind of lets you go off the rails, which well, is fun. B and I are just like connected in general, which I know we've said a million times on this podcast, but she is my favorite collaborator. Um, I'm inspired by her art and I know she loves what we make. So it's kind of a dream. It would be very, very hard for me to turn down something that she wanted me to do. <laughs> well, and now that she's the boss of everything that she does, because yep. she's typically on her own and she's taking care of everything now. Mm -hmm. It was she's nice. A boss bitch now. Yeah, it was nice having her in here early on when we were planning out this project. Yep. She was very much involved. She's like, I want to know how things work. Mm -hmm. I want to understand it. And for the first time ever, and I've been doing this shit for 20 some years, we were actually able to sit in a room with an artist who's like, oh, well, why do we spend the money on that house if we don't? Let's just do this. And just having her make understand those decisions. Yep. Yeah. And understand that what we do and what we all do as, as uh, music video directors behind the scenes is we're making a lot of these hard choices. Be, and most of the time, the artist just doesn't give a fuck. Or most of the time, the management team. They're just left the out. Like they don't. Yeah. Management is so worried. I mean, this is just my, of the last two weeks, what I've dealt with on another project is management's just so worried about what the artist is going to think about something that it doesn't even get past the management. Yeah. I think I got drafted for something that was like the fourth round of treatments for like a music video. And I was just like, I'll write something, but you have to get on the call with me multiple times because there's clearly a disconnect and I need to figure out where the disconnect is with you because I don't even think the artist has seen any of these treatments yet. So That's who knows? so fucking annoying. That's why I got out of it hard was because of that. It's so, unfortunate though, because music, the music industry is such a great place to create because musicians are affected by their visuals so much and they can build their entire brand off of that. Whereas, you know, you work with a celebrity and the celebrity comes into your world, but like musicians are down to create worlds. And yeah. I just wish there was more, more people like B <laughs> on this planet. <laughs> well, yeah. And I was talking to somebody else last week. I think he was talking to Stu. Um, <clears throat> and we were talking about the writer's strike. And we were saying, and I made sort of like a half-assed comment where I'm like, you know, the bullshit that's going on with the writers right now being abused, this is, exists in our world. This has existed in the music video world for ages. And we were joking about it, but I, I think it's an honest statement. I think our world would change if there were rules in place that they had to pay you to do treatments. Oh, my God. <laughs> even if it's just something. Even if it was like 500 bucks. Sure. So, like, if you were asked to do a treatment and they had to pay you $500, it would change everything. They would only go after the specific people yeah. that they needed. And they'd want that connection because they're like, I need to make sure this person is putting together a treatment that I will like if I'm paying them. Right. So like if there's some sort of like, um, you know, accountability that comes yeah. with that, I think it would change the game because right now there's no, there's no stress off their back, no sweat off their back, no matter what the fuck no. they do. They can send out to 45 fucking people. And a lot of these folks that do it like to have those options and they have this huge pile of stuff that they can just deliver to an artist. And we've talked about this on the show. Most of the time, the artist doesn't even fucking know what's coming. They're on a tour bus and someone shows up and they go, you got to do a music video. Here's a stack of fucking things. And they're just like, oh, come on, man. You know, when it's good, it's great, though. It's true. <laughs> so with with B, you guys decided to do this cabinet thing and yes. then. With that, you knew that they had uh, a decent budget 
but a, a limited budget for 12 pieces. It was a decent budget if you guys were going to do a few music videos. Um, so what did you do? You came up with a clever way of doing this. Uh, we kind of figured out only because, you know, we knew that B could do it was we'd shoot five music videos a day. So find two locations. We did one studio and one in a house and we were going to shoot five music videos a day. I mean, I think we originally planned for six. <laughs> that became physically, I can't believe we did five in a day. <laughs> That's right. We did. We shot five music videos per day. So that was 10 music videos in two days. Yep. And I know many of you are listening going, how the fuck did you do 10 music videos? Oh my videos? God, we planned. Be, we'd come over and rehearse things. I'd have to rehearse as much as she would on what we were going to do, how we were going to film it. You know, like basically plan everything because I think when we got to the day of each shoot, we could only do each take, each music video at most. I think the most we've had is seven takes, mm -hmm. but down to four. This last one, we did four takes to, to choose from. Mm -hmm. But I think it's still good. I think the other I thing- I think it's great. I can't believe it that, I mean, it, it's the culmination of everyone we had on set and how talented they were and how resourceful we all were to just create like pieces that are that beautiful, um, knowing the restraints. Well, and a big part of it was that you and I sat down and we had a mantra early on. Yeah. We sat down and we went through all our favorite music videos. And the big thing that I was pointing out was like, when we watch a music video, when you watch a music video, those of you listening at home, think about your favorite music video. Yeah. What comes to mind, right? It's usually one shot that comes to mind, maybe two shots. And most of the time, what comes to mind is a shot of the performer doing something either epic. Yeah, that you're connecting with. Or that you're connecting with. And so since we broke that down, we realized how much wasted time is spent on music video sets shooting all this other bullshit. B story stuff. Who gives a, I don't mean B, I mean like side story shit. Who gives a fuck about side story shit? Especially when I would used to get treatments of like, oh, what if, uh, you know, we're singing in a warehouse and we're singing and a guy comes home from a war and he sees his wife and they get in a fight over their kid. Oh my God. And so then you just, you're trying to hire actors. You can't hire great actors because there's no money for great actors. And then you're spending hours and hours, 12 hours in a day shooting all this B stuff, which doesn't fucking matter. No one cares. It's B stuff. B. Miller stuff? No, I, I shouldn't be saying B. I mean like B cam. Oh. Like, like, <laughs> like uh, what are you saying right now? B story, like side story. Got so it. That stuff. And in the edit, you're just using that to fill space. And no one's really excited about any of it. Oh, yeah. The treatments, it's fun to, this is our, our this is why we come on the podcast, right? To, to talk about our wounds. and <laughs> Yes, that's what the show is. <laughs> what was it? I had a treatment with a musician and we had it, like we had the job, we started to do it. I pitched something super, cause I am very much like metaphors, uh, symbolism, like showing the artist over, mm -hmm. sh you know, showing a literal scene that matches the lyrics. I think that's dumb. Mm -hmm. I do too. <laughs> and I sent in a treatment. They were like, we love it. And I was like, great. And then like the artist wants to get in a phone call with you. And I got on a phone call with her and she basically was like changing every little tweak to make it on par with when she said certain words, then we'd be showing the action. And I was like, this is so boring. So we got off the call and I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't, I can't do this job for you. You can find someone who will just, <laughs> and the video came out and it was really bad and I feel bad, but you know, you gotta, you gotta have a connection with the artist and the artist has to be willing to adapt what they think is right or else just direct it. I think it's fine if a musician wants to direct their own work, but if you're going to work with someone else, you can't just yeah. 
send them a, a piece by piece of what you want and have them just do it. I think for some artists, I think some artists want to be actors. And I think some artists, when they write things, they are writing them with the intent that they're going to act them out and they're going to make them Or happen. maybe it's partially fear. Like they're worried that Could be. their words won't be recognized in the right way without the exact visuals that they have in their mind. But I think, you know, it's a companion piece and it should be seen with your eyes and your ears are doing something else. Right. I mean, and that's, that's with anything we do, right? Even with movies and stuff. Like if you answer all the questions on screen, then it's fucking boring. Especially if you do it in the first 30 seconds of it, you're like, okay, so this is a, okay. Mm -hmm. So she's having trouble and she's going on a date. She's having, oh, there she is. She's getting dressed. You know, you're like, fuck. (laughs) Skip. And then once people are like, oh, can you put a cell phone in that shot? I'm like, you've never seen my work. There will never, ever be a cell phone in anything I make. (laughs) All right. So uh, we had this conversation and we talked about what we loved about music videos, what you loved about music videos. And it really came down to specific moments. So then if you're smart about how you plan out your day, we normally you would do 12 fucking setups a day yeah. for a music video. So it's like, why not do 12 different specific music videos that are just one setup yep. per thing. So in the same amount of time that you would shoot all this useless side story footage for a music video, you're shooting more content, which makes more sense right now because. And I know you said um, I got sidetracked, but you were saying that uh, musicians want to be actors. I also think music video directors want to be filmmakers, exactly. but also don't do music videos then. Exactly. <laughs> Become a, a director of movies. Exactly. And I, we, I've said that on the show before because being someone that has come from music videos and went to pitch in rooms, those people that you're pitching in rooms for, for movies, they don't give a fuck about yeah. any of your music videos. No, and it, they it, don't. it can detract if if you're just cramming all the shit and you're like, what is happening? And then you're not even paying attention to the song anymore because you're just like, why? Right, I mean, for <laughs> me, it's like, why do I go see a, why do I go see a performance, right? I go to see this person on stage. Yep. I go to see this person lit unnaturally, usually wearing outfits that are over the top. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're lucky, it's got like really good dance routines. And we ended up seeing the um, Kate Bush uh, tribute band. It was awesome. And it was fun. It was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Um, and you see these people up on stage and you're like, fuck, this is what rock and roll is. This is what what this is. We put these folks that are uh, incredibly talented on a godlike pedestal and we all enjoy them for mm-hmm. what they are. That's what music videos used to be. And that's what mu- music videos should be is the sense of experimental films. If you go back to the origins of music videos in the 80s, it was experimental filmmakers and experimental films making weird-ass shit. I think most of the inspiration we draw for everything we do is like 90s, mm-hmm. 80s, back when you had to use like practical effects. and mm-hmm. Because then it's fun. And practical effects may seem cheaper, but they're not cheaper. What they are is they're more immersive. Mm-hmm. So then when the artist is on set, they can perform. You were finding this with using mirrors and having folks... Uh, use mirrors and oh, practical yeah. effects with one of your projects. Because then the, it, it stimulates the artist to actually do something interesting mm-hmm. and get lost in it. So, I sidetracked us again. Can you remember where you were before? I got you. I, got, wow. I post the show. Oh, my we're God. You must do this a lot. I do it all the time. <laughs> so then, uh, <laughs> so we talked about this stuff. We came up with this plan. Yep. Right? You put this plan into action. You and B sat down for for quite some time. Months. Months. And sort of tried to plot out because it was a, it was an equation at that point, right? You got two days, five videos a day. Mm-hmm. You have a certain amount of time for each video, which generally was about an hour and a half, mm-hmm. re- realistically. 
okay, where can we find locations that will give us the most looks for each of these videos? And so then you and uh, uh, Ian, you guys had to do the hard look for mm -hmm. locations and find a spot. You found that house, which had yeah, multiple looks. which is crazy. We found that house. There's a, it's a, this call coming inside of the house, from inside of the house. And uh, B had this one painting that she loved. And that house that we ended up shooting on that staircase is the paint, like it's it's as if they did the painting of that house. It was pretty crazy that we found such a replica. That, that was right. That was the reason why you chose that yeah. place was that had that. So that was the most recent video that we released. So yeah. this call is coming from inside the house. Just put out. Might be the world's longest title for a song and I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that, and I think that's the most intense. I've talked about this. It's the most intense post-production heavy video that we've done. Yeah. Um, but it was essentially just a single shot shot of the staircase and initially it was just be performing going up and down the staircase yeah because we shot it vertically um because we were just kind of it's yeah. social media yeah social media yeah so we were t we were testing the vertical stuff we also shot with the airy mini large format mm -hmm. so it's all large format Back stuff before my fuji camera was on com uh, lossless compression all my photos were also 200 megabytes we were just yeah big big <laughs> hard rolling drive. on that yeah, job <laughs> big hard drive big hard drive fucking job um so yeah so you found this house because it had that staircase which she was inspired by because you guys had gone to the museum you guys had looked at all classic yep. art classic painting and when you talked to me, you uh, you wanted me to come on and help you light stuff. Um, and uh, we talked about a lot of like classic, uh, you know, uh, Renaissance lighting, Renaissance mm -hmm. um, colors and all that sort of stuff too, which also worked for the location that you found as well. Totally. Yeah. And I think that also transformed me into the new lighting that I'm kind of obsessed with now anyways. Yeah. Because we spent some time, well, a part of the process of, putting these videos together is that we did a lot of testing, mm -hmm. right? Because we had a bunch of things that we had to test. It was the other video, which, the, what, what is the video that I, I guess I co-directed with you, the shadow play video? Oh yeah. Um, it just went right out of my head. Jealous of my friends. Jealous of my friends, right. And that was a great example of a practical effect where we had Ian come and perform and we basically had set B in this living room, which already looked great. Mm -hmm. It was production designed really well. And the idea was that her shadow on the wall would come alive mm -hmm. and represent, you jealousy, know, jealousy, shame. Right, right, right. And so that video was another video that we shot in what, like an hour, hour mm -hmm. and a half. That one was a hard one though. With ADD, that being able to direct both of them, I was like, Michael, you need to come, come do this one for me. <laughs> <laughs> It came out good. It was great. I love that one. Yeah, that's the only time we've ever co-directed. I think it's because I think it's because we weren't officially co-directing. Yeah, I, know. I, I did all the prep, and you did it on the day of. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just because I got that title in the back end. I think that's why. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a fun one to do, and that was also done in the same house. So we shot that one in the living room. Mm -hmm. Then there was a staircase right next to the living room for that one. And this is a house. It's always it always happens this way. You'll rent a house for a shoot or a location, and then every video, for some reason, every video you see after that day is at that house. Especially so here in Los I have Angeles. friends that'll be like, "I've shot in that house three times this week." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but ours looks way different and and super cool. Like I think the way that we took it apart and dissected it and really like focused on certain rooms and their benefits um, mm -hmm. is different than what everyone else is doing. Well, once again, we didn't blow our load on, yeah. on one music video for that whole house. Yep. 
And then the the really cool thing about doing multiple music videos is that it's a completely different look, mm-hmm. right? We can do completely different lighting. We can do all sorts of stuff differently. And that really comes down to the prep that yep. was put into that project. Because you had this, you know, multiple pages of uh, basically a project Bible. Oh, my God. It was like 40 pages long. <laughs> yeah. And that took you a while to put together. Yeah. Well, I'm very much... I don't know, this probably happens to a lot of people, but I can plan something for months. And then when I get there, it's as if like my brain is empty. So Mm -hmm. I need to have a book that I can hand to anyone that's so specific. Not that I already haven't talked to the crew for weeks or months already, but I just, you know, when push comes to shove and things get stressful, I need everything on a page that can easily be digested. It's great because then you and B go through that. Everything's approved. So there's a sense of trust on her part. Like she's incredibly relaxed on all, all the shoots. Because she just shows up. She knows that she's in a cog in the wheel at that point. And by the way, I should mention, and we kindly mentioned it before, the only reason why this treatment worked was because B did it. Yeah. It's the only reason. And and I say that because being the guy that has basically edited all the B videos at this point, and I've joked about it when she's been on the show, go back and listen to that episode. Um, I call her an android because she's a fucking robot with how she just continuously will do performances over and over again, meticulously. And she has an understanding of music and she has an understanding of beats and rhythms. And so while she's performing, even if she's just running up and down the staircase, she'll work to the beat Mm -hmm. and she'll design things to the rhythm of the song that when you're watching her, she's enthralling to watch just on a single take which really changed the vibe for mm-hmm. everything. And we knew that going into this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was that one take we did, Hallelujah, on the first album that we were like, we can do something. If she can hold this performance and give me goosebumps every time I watch it, then we can put her in, in a room and you know shoot a whole music video without her even moving. In that Jealous of My Friends, she just sits there the whole time. And it's I, I love watching it still. Yeah, she's great. And she has... She has an like very much an aerial view of how the whole project's going to come mm-hmm. together, and it's simplicity. It's so subtle, and it's she's so much fun to cut mm-hmm. because of it. Where she'll sit there and she'll know that if because there's a certain flair that happens in the song, she'll move her outfit a certain way, mm-hmm. or she'll know that uh, the song's about to progress in something interesting, so she'll spin herself around and then reveal herself, like actually turn and look mm-hmm. right when that moment happens. And then she also has a great understanding of like how many takes we're doing. So she'll give us variations mm-hmm. based upon that. She'll go, oh, mentally, she'll sit there and go, okay, on these past two beats, I didn't do anything because I was setting up for that reveal. So on the next take, I'll give you something for those beats, knowing that you're going to be able to edit that stuff in. Yep. She's very smart, very clever. I think she's the best musician that I've ever edited. And I've worked with a lot of musicians. She's the best one that I've ever edited. Mm-hmm on the thing and it's the, the the two of you working together always creates such interesting content you know i think so yeah i i don't feel inhibited at all by b i feel like whatever we bring enhances each other and that's what you want to look for if you're gonna if you're gonna deal with the music world <laughs> find a b <laughs> <laughs> but even I, I mean i won't get into specifics because i can't really tell you about the video that we edited last night because mm-hmm. that one will come out later in the month i guess yeah so uh but even with that we sat down because we haven't seen this footage in a while when did we shoot Since october it's october is yeah when we shot all this and so now we are on the schedule where we're basically cutting a video a month 
mm-hmm. and we're doing a release for that. You're also doing her album art or her. Oh yeah, same day we had to shoot all the press photos and the single covers <laughs> on that set. So that mostly meant we'd direct a whole music video and then I'd have two to five minutes where everyone was complaining to me that I was taking too long to shoot all the photos. <laughs> I was like, no problem, guys. <laughs> Which you then have this library of stuff that yes. you're doing. Like, So we, even though these aren't being made as CDs or being made as individual vinyls, you need to have album cover art that goes on uh, iTunes. You need to have uh, all this... Uh, uh, material that is the backgrounds for Spotify, for Apple Music. And that stuff matters. I mean, I, I just get a lot of feedback from other people that that stuff doesn't matter anymore, but it does. Like, even just meme content. There are so many memes you make off of single covers. Yeah. Like, you need that stuff, and you get excited about that stuff. I mean, I get excited about it, so. And with her fans, her fans are very immersive. Yes, they love that shit. Oh my gosh. They'll yes, write they- to you and just do remixes or redo album covers. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, and send stuff. And they just want to hear your response on it. They're very, very involved with her stuff. So I think they appreciate the level of work that you've definitely textured yeah. this, these pieces with. And I'm proud of it. So. But anyway, what I was saying is that last night we sat down and we hadn't seen the stuff since October. And it's also. There are two sides. This is why Gina's great to work with. She comes from a new generation of music video people at this point, right? Because you've basically come up post-MTV. Mm-hmm. You really haven't had to deal with it. I was an MTV dude, so there was a certain structure that you needed to do for music videos. And so I would sit down and look in the bin and go, there's fucking four takes, five takes. That There's anxiety in that because you're like, I got nothing to cut to. There's nowhere to go with this footage. And so we sat down yesterday and we just watched the four takes back to back. Um, We eliminated two instantly. Immediately, (laughs) right? So two takes were gone. So then you had two takes. And so it was essentially a a wide shot or a master shot and then an insert shot. And uh, B carries it. Yeah. And I think for me, which you always are like, oh my gosh, only you would notice that. For me, it's awkward movement or like seemingly unintentional movement that I need to cut away from and... She does that so rarely, it's insane. Like, she would have to almost fall and catch herself, and that's, you know, we'd catch her making a movement she didn't intend. But, yeah, I think it's easy for us, because it's like, why, for me at least, it's like, why move away from the shot when I still love watching her? Yeah, Yeah. what she's doing. And that's interesting, too. That's kind of what you, I, I would say, there's so many different ways to define what Gisela does, but I think one of, from at least as a collaborator, one of the most important elements that you have is that you're so incredibly focused on body and body movement and body po- posturing and posing. You very much have um, a taste for that sort of thing, which is your style. Which is crazy that I've never worked with a choreographer. I really want to do something with fun. Yeah. You should. Yeah. What is Thank your you. obsession with body movement? I don't know. What? <laughs> I'm just obsessed with watching someone. I don't know. I feel like I grew up as the nerdy kid who is like, who'd see people and idolize people, which I think is why AI can't take over celebrities is I am the kid from the East coast who was obsessed with the way like Britney Spears would move and like not want to emulate it, but just like you, I truly appreciate that stuff. So I think that I, I don't know, being a nerdy kid who looked at other people being like, oh my God, you're so cool. Like that's <laughs> where I built my love of the way people move and stuff. <laughs> Was that your thing? Would you watch the Britney Spears thing and, and obsess over her movement? Okay. Yes. Well, 
all people that I thought were cool, even if it was like someone on a bus, I'd be like, wow, she's, why does she look so cool? Or like, why is he so cool when he's eating a sandwich? <laughs> I'd like analyze people. But more so with Britney Spears, I, I had this like ex- existential moment as a kid where I'd go, it's 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. Britney Spears is just doing something right now. That's insane to me. <laughs> I think maybe it helps to be like, you know, be obsessed with celebrities to some degree if you're going to be in our industry, because then you're showing viewers who are also have that obsession, you know, how you see it as well. And that's like, you know. Yeah, you have that lens. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And it's it, you're essentially falling in love you know, with I'm a those. fan girl. <laughs> well, yeah, you 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 find a way to be obsessed with them and fall in love yeah. with them. Obsession is a good way to put it, like healthy obsession. Yeah, because then, then I think your your next mode, which I've seen you do over the past what what has it been like ten years or whatever now mm-hmm. since you've been doing this, is just learning the language, a visual language to be able to translate what your obsessions are. Mm-hmm. And you've been very much a, a student of that for quite some time now. Yeah, well, the whole time, because I definitely started without knowing a single thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, you you now, what's your toolkit? You have a toolkit now for how you approach your what it is that you're obsessed with. Yeah. Well, okay, I was thinking of, I was trying to remember something while you were saying that, mm-hmm. and I unfortunately was not listening to what you just said. Okay, well, what were you trying to remember? <laughs> I don't, I couldn't remember, because then I was like, oh, wait, I need to listen to Michael right now, because he's saying something to me. <laughs> I thought I could catch up, but I couldn't. So you just failed on yeah. all points. Right what, there. what is my toolkit? You asked me that. Um, yeah, like what do you what you, what? Okay, so let's say let's say you're gonna work with somebody, right? You, sure. You got a new artist that okay. shows up. Like, where do you start? Um, the first thing for me it usually starts from a creative direction point, which is we meet up, we talk about their hopes and dreams. At the same time, I set up a meeting with their label management and just hear what everyone wants. Mm-hmm the goals it can be obscure um and then i go in and have one-on-one time with them exploiting like the things that they might not even know that they love so it's like okay you show me this picture why do you like this picture because if i look at this picture i might like something else Mm -hmm. you like the color blue like in what sense what does it mean and i don't know sometimes it's not as deep as that but it is very much a i'm assimilating to understand their point of view and see where you know our point of views align and mm-hmm. that's you know because if, if i had the exact same point of view then we wouldn't be making anything good so i think it helps to be interpreting their point of view but the most important thing is you understand their point of view and i think the important thing to also say there is that you're just not showing up going what do you want to make and oh, then no, you no, make no. that you actually i'm not the person for that job <laughs> yeah because i've seen you do this so you'll sit you'll spend time with these folks you'll get all that data you know, mm-hmm. and then you'll come back and go. Okay. It is like collecting data. It's lots of data and it's a weird data that you just don't. Right. Yeah. There isn't a poll on Instagram. Yeah. For that data. <laughs> so you get all like their weird insecurities, their obsessions, their hopes, their dreams, like all that kind of stuff. And then you come back and then you take whatever it is that you find interesting about that person and do the same thing to yourself yeah. at that point. And I have the lens of, you know, if I was going to view you, and making sure you're saying what you want to say. Like, how do we make that? Oh, I remembered. As a as a kid, <laughs> as a kid, I had this idea in my head and I became obsessed with it. Uh, maximizing your potential. So it was like, you'd look at someone and you'd be like, you look, you have curated everything to look the best that it can for your specific look. And I was always obsessed with that. And I, I remember trying to implement it into my own life where I'm like... You know what's in my bag when I when I hold it out in front of people like is this the coin purse I want to be known by? <laughs> so I think that that's like huge. That's the way that I see. Like I when I go to work with someone, it's not 
the way that I see them necessarily. It's the way that we build them to be the best version of themselves. And I think I'm obsessed with that aesthetically. Also, like if they don't believe in what they're doing, they're not going to give me what I need on set. So it's like, it needs to be built aesthetically and from within holistically on them. Yeah. And it shows, it shows, it does. It does. Well, when we were talking about, you know, you setting up your business and going through all that stuff, and this was the stuff that you were obsessed with. And I'm like, this is genius. I think this is what makes Gisela special. And I think this is the type of thing that makes you stand out because it isn't just an Instagram filter. You're not bragging about the type of gear that you're shooting with, and that's not what you're being sold for. Um, And this is now been spread even further so it's it's gone from doing the music world stuff and the music video stuff um you've gone into pr stuff and you've done um you know uh print campaigns and ad campaigns for celebrities and now you recently you've also done uh fashion campaigns and uh, that kind of stuff you've been shooting a lot for like boohoo man lately well i think that mentality makes you versatile because it's like i don't have a style I do have a style, but I don't have something that I bring to every set. Like you, it changes based on the person I'm shooting, which makes it exciting for me too. Cause as you have heard in the past, you know, 40 minutes, I have severe ADD. So (laughs) I need to be entertained at all times. (laughs) But the thing that's really great about it is that what you're selling is your brain. That's what's interesting. It's not like there's no tricks or no gizmos or no gadgets. No. There's sure there's a lot of things that you've done in the past. You've worked with dad cam or you've done a lot of practical effects. And so like if someone's going to look at you for surface value, they'll go, oh, I need to find someone that does good dad cam stuff. This person is known for that. Probably one of the the, the people that is known the most for that because you did the Robert Pattinson stuff. But um, that's not what you're selling, though. What you're selling is your fucking brain. And I keep selling. I keep trying to tell everybody that listens to this fucking show if we're all up for a bid and I lose the bid to you because your brain is better suited for that project, I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. If I lose the bid to you because you underbid it ridiculously, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you just randomly bought the newest piece of gear, I'm disappointed by that. I'm disappointed by that on the fucking level of the client because the client obviously is completely fucking shallow and they don't give two shits about it. But I'm also disappointed that you're considered my peer. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd rather have folks be judged by their content. And it's scary because I think a lot, here we go. I think a lot of people out there don't, haven't had the training don't think about and don't value their thoughts and don't value their life experiences as a filter to tell their work. Yeah. And it takes years and years for you to do work for most people. And suddenly folks with me, with the new film, I've been sending it out to um, super fans and people are coming back to me going, your look is this, like, this is your style. And I go, it's just the way I see the world. Mm -hmm. Like, I shoot a lot of macro stuff because whenever I go anywhere, I'm seeing everything on a macro level. Yeah, and and also it's like I become obsessed with something, but not forever, just for a little bit of time until I feel like I've created everything I want to create with it. And now there's no more dad cam unless the job calls for it or yeah. like, you know, a glass in front of the lens. I don't use that as much anymore because I explored everything that I wanted to explore at that moment. So now when it's a good fit, I'll bring it back, but it's not, you know, it's not a good fit. And you've, you've been asked to bring that on and then you shoot stuff. And oftentimes we won't even use it in the edit. Cause we're yeah. just like, this doesn't mean anything anymore. Yep. 
right? Doesn't mean anything to the project. Yeah. And I think that's important. That's why I'm proud of you. I'm proud of Oh, thanks. I'm the, proud of you too. The business that you've built that is circling around your brain and and your experience. Thank you. And I think that's very important and I know that that's the success of the B Miller stuff. I know that that's why you've been successful doing a lot of the stuff for GQ lately. It's also having you as a support system and someone that's like, I remember when we met and you were like, I'm never going to date someone who's in the same industry as me. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> and now look, we could be crazy together all the time and understand each other. <laughs> you wouldn't get that with someone else who has a nine to five job. <laughs> that's true. But the reason why I said that was that you and I are different folks. Like there's a lot of people that we know that date within the industry with each other. And there's a lot of weird competition. There's a lot of resentment. One person gets further than the other person. It just becomes this whole level of stress. And believe me, there's a lot of stress that we deal with as a couple anyways. And I just didn't well, want to- we also add. made a pact. I'm, we also do very different things. We don't yeah. overlap. Our, our goals don't overlap. So although we, we touch the same tools, yeah. we're not making the same stuff, which is great. No. No. And like, honestly, even if, even if you were to be making films and you were to be doing stuff at the same level at this point, I'd be like, yeah, fucking go for it, man. Like, because it doesn't really affect if your success helps my success. Yeah. And so the success that you've had with your music videos, I wouldn't have been able to, I don't think my edit on my new film would be as good as it is right now. If I hadn't spent over a year just relentlessly cutting. Mm -hmm. Sure. And and not just cutting all the B Miller videos, but also cutting like the fucking EW content with the boys. Yeah. Like in each and every one of those clips that I had done, I was like, this is cool. That's cool. I'll take that. I'll take this. I'll take that. And it's, uh, it's on such a minutia. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the way body movement is. I think right now I've become really good as an editor with body movement and motion. And like, it's second nature for me at yeah. this point with my cuts and being able to sort of translate that. Yeah. You're a phenomenal editor. I Thank think you. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't mining for that compliment. No, no. I, I, I envy the way that you see, I don't have that. So it was like lighting for me before I understood lighting when you describe things, I'm like, I don't understand it. And now I'm in that, you know, you always used to say, once you know it, you can't like unsee it. Yeah. Past that threshold. I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm there yet with editing in general. You just have so many years and so much like guttural, I don't know, like intention behind it. And I, I am a good tastemaker when it comes to editing. I know what's good and what's not bad and what I like and what I don't like, but I don't have the like innate skill yet that you have. And I think it's amazing. It's such an amazing asset to have you on my projects. Thank you. I mean, really, it just comes, I don't know if I've talked about it on the show. It really comes from when I started cutting. So when I started editing, and when I got into this business around 98, 99. Wow. This was when, yeah, wow. This is, when, <laughs> this, is, this is right when um, uh, digital editing was starting. So you only had a few different systems out. You had like Media 100, which was the uh, the Apple edit system. Yeah. And then Windows was doing an experimental system called, you can move your shit. I gotta go up. Called um, Vegas, Sony Vegas. Okay. Hold on, let me help with this, with, with this microphone. First I want to sit up right now. I was, I was leaning over before, but I'm- uh... Is this your first time using a mic? There you go. There you go. How's that? That's no, good. No, this is up too high. Oh God. You just, you fucked it all up, Jane. I'm sorry. 
fuck did <laughs> all it's fine, that? It's fine. I'll just sit like this. It's fine. It's no, fine. No, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. No. I'm fine. Uh, okay. Hold on a second. I got to fix the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> you got to change positions. How did you? How did you? Fuck it all up. I don't know how to do this. This is perfect. There you go. So back when I started, I was st- I was getting into the early days of digital editing, and it was very exciting because when I went to school, I had done Steambeck, which was you know taking sixteen millimeter film, cutting it, and taping it. Yes, which was insane, which is intense. So like, let's say I wanted to take sixteen frames out of a shot, mm-hmm. sixteen frames. So you go through, you cut sixteen frames out, you tape the footage, and hang those sixteen frames up. Then you'd watch it and you'd go, that's not the right move. So I'd have to put the 60 frames back in. Mm-hmm. And so with most editing at that time, you wouldn't do two or three frame cuts because you'd lose them. Mm. They'd be gone. And that's why they had a bin. We had this bin full of clips that we didn't want. We threw out and we had all these little clips hanging up here. So once digital editing happened, it was like, fuck, you can do whatever you want. You can cut one frame out. You can change frames. And so when I started, one of the first things I did um, I was raising money for my first short film after school and I had a bunch of people come over and I needed to show them something. And I didn't have anything other than the one or two films I made in school. So I was teaching myself how to use Sony Vegas, this nonlinear editing program. And I just went through the internet and I downloaded uh, a bunch of pictures of like Charlize Theron. So I grabbed all like these like high fashion photos of her, imported them into the editor and I taught myself how to cut the music because I cut it to Annie Lennox and I cut it to another band. And I'm like, how can I get these two tracks to mix? Mm-hmm. And so I taught myself mixing. And then I did all these still images with camera movements, like in-edit camera movements. So I was really sort of examining movement. So that those skills I taught myself then, I use every day on all of our cuts. Yes, you do. So it's movement and music cuts. Because my edits suck without sound. They really do. I don't think so. I think they're great. Nah. Oh, it tastes like coffee again. What are you having right now? What are you drinking? Oh, a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting for you. It is very exciting for me. It's my first coffee in a week. It's very exciting for you. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm, uh, obviously I'm boring you because you glazed over with what I was saying. There. You're not boring me. I also know this is for the fans who need to... N- Want to know how people got into things. Yeah. Gina got bored. I didn't get bored. So, um, but anyway, my point is, is that um, because of working on the B stuff and she's obsessed with movement, I think it's the only reason why you've kept me interested in being underpaid. (laughs) (laughs) Being an underpaid workhorse in the uh, slave factory here. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, all right. So let's, let's skip ahead. So you, okay. Then December happened and no one works for two to three months after that. Cause it's January to March. And for some reason there are no projects that come down the pipeline then. <laughs> Were you stressed out? Um, I can't remember. Were we stressed out? I feel like you were. I'm sure that I was. I'm always a little stressed out. Well, it's good to talk about it on the show. Cause a lot of people don't sure. think about that. Every year. Actually it was almost till April. Almost every year from like. January to March, usually there's just not a lot of stuff. You're either weirdly busy because you already have a project or you're just kind of noticing that even though the fiscal budgets have started over, people don't know where to put that money yet. So you're just kind of <laughs> chilling. 
Yeah, you're waiting it's as a, a great, freelancer. It's a great time to have a switch to go out to the park. <laughs> well, honestly, it's a great time to do a personal project. Yes, that's what that's what we did. Yeah, that, that that's what you did, and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. We both shot at that time, and that kept us super. That's probably why I wasn't as stressed because we were very busy, although making no money. <laughs> yeah, but working on the personal stuff. <laughs> yeah, you've dug in real deep with uh, Fuji Film and the Fuji Film. Yeah. So when did we get that? Uh, last Cinegear, so almost a year ago. Yeah, so that's been game-changing for me because I was working with a Nikon D810 and D800 since I started in like 2012. So that's been insane, working with a medium-format digital camera. It feels like I'm cheating, but also I feel like I put in the years that I can use a piece of gear that's going to not make me work too hard at this point. (laughs) I've earned the right to sit back and let the camera do a lot of the work. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that that's been amazing. So then we started to put together stuff. Uh, You shot some of your movie on the Fuji. Yep. Yep. Yeah, let's just do it. This is a good transition into an ad read. This is a good transition into the ad read of the episode. Yeah, because then I did all my projects this year with the Fuji, and we can talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. All right, so um, let me uh, me hit it with a music cue, and then uh, we'll do an ad read. Hold on a second. Are we muted? Did you just hear your voice? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that means we're not muted. <laughs> well, I couldn't tell unless I tried. <laughs> the stuff we did this year, too. All right. So it's now time to give uh, some love to the sponsors of the show, the men and women that make In Love with the Process happen, right? It's because I don't charge you guys for it. This is the only way the show stays afloat. This is the only way I'm able to pay for everything the show needs, whether it's storage space, whether it's lunches for my guests. Including these amazing mic stands that apparently I broke with one touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, take a moment, and uh, Gina and I are going to get specific. This will be a special ad read because she has insights into a lot of the stuff because oh she's God, using yes. it a lot. So uh, first up, let's talk about our friends over at Puget Systems. We both are editing on Puget Systems. Our boys. Our boys. The guys over there. Puget Systems is the place to go if you're looking for a computer that will do video editing, if you're looking for a computer that'll do uh, VR work, maybe you're playing around in the Unreal environment, um, and you want to build yourself an affordable machine, something that is upgradable, something that you can change and manipulate. Puget Systems is the place to go. Go to PugetSystems.com. You can click on a machine based upon the software you're using and uh, choose uh, a baseline package and then communicate with them because they love to build custom. That's what they're there for. These guys don't manufacture hardware, so they're not peddling off gear on you. These guys are going through a long process of beta testing each and every piece of hardware that comes out, uh, doing tests with the new updates that come with software. These guys have a lot of answers. They're a great place for customer support. Yeah, they are. I've bothered them quite a few times. You did recently, yeah. right? Because we were having trouble with our USB 3 ports, yep. which I don't mind talking about on the show. That's still an issue still with a lot issue. of PCs. We're, we're struggling to move into the SSD territory externally because the USB 3s, uh, no yeah. wait, not USB 3, USB-C. USB-C's, that's what it is. Struggling on our two computers. Yeah, we're still having trouble with that. But um, these guys are always on point with any updates, BIOS updates, 
once you buy a Puget system, you're in their family for life. For life. So it's it's great. I love these guys. Um, and we wouldn't be able to do the edits that we've done. No, I'm on a. What, how old is my Puget system? Jesus, it's like almost 12 years old now. No, this is the one you got during COVID. No. <laughs> yes, because Ian has the one you got 12 oh, yeah, years ago. Oh, yeah, that was the old one. So this one's, you know, f- six years old. I got it before I don't think COVID. So. No, you got it during COVID. No, I got this one. Uh, I guarantee you, you got this during I don't COVID. Know. I don't you got know. this one like a couple months ago. I don't know. See, I think you're in a time travel you know what? loophole. The privileged few. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have two computers that we've been using. Yes, and I use Mike's old one, and I'm still running 4K footage on it, and uh, my giant Fuji photos. Well, now I've done lossless compression, which has drastically changed that, but there's still like 60 megabytes a piece, and I have almost no no problems at all. Yeah, that's great. So uh, check out PugetSystems.com, and uh, do yourself a favor if you want to have the monster machine that i'm cutting on just write to them on instagram write to them through their website and say hey what are my specs because i've told you on the show before but go right to puget systems they'll tell you what my specs are and you can start your machine there if you want man it's the shit i love it um all right so let's talk about fujifilm one of our other big sponsors oh my the God. show. i got lots to say well so what's <laughs> your deal with fujifilm uh, so uh, we have the same cameras from them, the GFX 100S and the XH2S, yep. I believe. I always, I always fuck up yes. that one. Yeah. Uh, and I solely use those two cameras on everything I do. Uh, I shoot video with their XH2S mm-hmm. and obviously my photos on the medium format. Oh my God. There's our neighbor starting off this boat every day. Wow, that is pretty loud. Yeah, you would think it's like the Bumpus's car, but you look out there and he's specifically crafted that vehicle to sound like that. Oh my God. You know, what is it, like an Acura? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so you've been working with um, Fujifilm uh, for everything, right? So yeah. you're doing the GFX 100S is all your your still work now. It's true. And because we also collaborated with Photo Deox, are you okay? This keeps going down. Yeah, you know this is why? where my mouth has stayed the entire time. Do you know why? Why? Because you keep touching it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a heavy microphone. We need, we need, you need some stand sponsors. There you go. See if it see if it does its thing. Oh, we'll see. My voice will just get lower. All right, all right, all right. So, <laughs> all right, Fujifilm. So, um. Because of our team up with Photo uh, Deox, yeah, the adapter company, you're able to take all of our favorite lenses that we've been using with uh, Nikon and put those now on the Fuji cameras. Yeah, and moreover, my Mamiya, yes, all of Mamiya lenses. That's what I'm shooting all of my recent uh, fashion sets with. Yeah, so you have your Mamiyas that are being adapted to the oh, double creamy because it's Mamiya creaminess and then the photo deox, um, you know, taking it away from the lens slightly, just and then throwing an ND filter between that makes it amazing. Well, the byproduct too, which is interesting with the foot with the photo deox adapters, is that it makes the Mamiyas almost more macro, which then uh, shortens your minimum depth of field for those lenses. This is true which is great because that was always the big issue that we had because you would need with those mamias at least four or five feet minimum depth that's true right 
So now you can get right in close with folks. Mm-hmm. You keep looking at your microphone. Well, I don't know. Are you noticing that it's back down to where it was oh five minutes god. ago? <laughs> oh my god. I just don't want to sit like oh like hunched over the whole time. Oh my god. I can switch seats. <laughs> oh my fucking god. <laughs> Hold on. I see that your stand is not struggling with this. Yeah. Because it might have something to do with the operator. You oh, that's fine. Saying? I'll just bring it real close. Yeah, that's fine. There you go. Thanks. There you go. In theory, you won't have as much weight on it now. That's great. Oh, this sounds great. <laughs> Don't give me that look. <laughs> so, so um, yeah. So now that you're using those lenses, that changes the whole game for those mobias. Yeah. It's amazing. I think the combination of Fuji, Photodeox that has made it sounds weird but it's like you there's the kind of look i've always wanted to shoot and you work towards that and of course my skills have helped that but then it's the, the combination of those two things i feel with you know promise and all sorts of other filters uh it creating the creamy look that i've always been obsessed with it makes it feel like film because then i also apply film emulations right inside of the fuji as well mm-hmm. yeah because you did that with um uh, what's her name? Michelle, right? Isn't that her name from um, Michelle Randolph? Yeah, M- Michelle Randolph. We still got to get into the 2023 projects, but we're in we're in <laughs> ad mode now, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you shot those beautiful images with Michelle Randolph, and which was crazy. That was all, basically one source light. Yeah. Oh, an aperture. Oh, yeah. but we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, aperture isn't necessarily a sponsor of ah. the show, but we have been using a lot of the aperture yes. units lately which we like and small hd small hd we should talk about because yeah. they're your sponsor what's the oh deal with God. small hd love small hd are the people that work over there are the kindest most supportive people i have ever met just like my friend ab over at Sakonic mm-hmm. and fuji as well mm-hmm. um they have been sponsoring me for over a year maybe two years now and I feel so fortunate to be using gear that's right in front of us right now. The OLED 22 small HD monitor is something we use probably more frequently than our own monitors when we're color grading. And that's mm-hmm. the monitor we look at when we're adjusting anything because it's the closest to what we'll see. Yeah, I've got a pretty good else. I've got a pretty good setup now when we're because I'm doing all the color grading in uh, DaVinci Resolve and I actually got a breakout card from Resolve. So I actually have a standalone monitor, which we're now fortunate enough to be able to put um, all of our color correction material up on the same calibrator monitor that we shot on set yep. with, which is nice. So good. Which is really nice. So good. And we have all the dingy, dingy dangies from wooden camera that allow us to mount it on a C stand. What are the dingy dangies? I don't know. I don't know the technical terms. What is the dingy dangies? <laughs> is that what they said to you? Gina, how would you like to promote some, some of our dingy dangies? Uh, we have the C stand <laughs> mount for the OLED 22 monitor as well as the Cine 7 and. You do, and you have the whole setup, which is great. Yeah. You have that wireless setup, so you're able Oh, yeah, Teradek as well. Yep, you're in with Teradek. All, all, all together, they're called Creative Solutions, and those three companies, I would consider my Puget. They just are always around to help me, anything that's wrong, anything I need. Mm-hmm. It's uh, amazing. And then they have game-changing tools for you. Yes, oh my gosh. So a big, a big thing that you're dealing with these days is you're trying not to do as much handheld camera work on your own. You're trying to deal with like, because handheld camera work is incredibly um, abrasive and destructive to bodies. Like mm-hmm. right now I'm dealing with fucking some sort of sciatic issue that I think is left over from my years of doing handheld camera work and documentary camera work. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you're dealing with a lot of that stuff as well. Yeah. And so it was a game changer for you to be able to get wireless feeds off of your cameras because now you can be training operators and you can have people doing things the way that you like and you can just sort of follow them around with the monitor. Yep. Which is great. Mm-hmm. So you're moving um, sort of into, and this is something that I think happens as we, as we get older with this business, where you, in the beginning, have to pick something up. You have to run around. You have to trash it around and try to figure out what your look is. I'm still is. young. I just can't do it. Oh, my God. You're we getting, need to specify. You're getting old. <laughs> and so you're, you're transitioning into uh, a better part of your career at this point, which is sort of the taste-making aspect of it all, where you know how to make these things happen. You know what angle you're supposed to be shooting at. Well, Yes, I would say that is true and it's wonderful. And also I find big rigs to be cumbersome. I'm someone who learned photography in a club at 2 a.m. drunk with a little camera and that's all that I had to shoot with. So now that we're big rigging it, which is great, and I enjoy the tools that I have to use in those situations, but I'm also very much a handheld Mm -hmm. run and gun and I don't pay attention to my body while I'm shooting, which is bad. So it's like I will hurt myself. Um so having the ability to not do that is great. But mm-hmm. I, I'm also just a different operator than like, you know, a DP who, because I wouldn't consider myself a DP. I'm a director who shoots my own stuff sometimes. So I think I need something more in the moment, sporadic, moving around and small HD and, and that wooden camera and all of them have been amazing to put together rigs for me that I can use specifically for my needs. Well, that's why you've been loving that little Fuji rig too. Mm-hmm. And, and you've been ballsy because you've been shooting that little Fuji rig with the internal looks. Mm-hmm. which yeah, get baked, baked into in. the footage. Yes. <laughs> which you like because then you're actually able to create some really stunning looking strange shit. Yeah. And a lot of the time turnarounds are 24 hours on some projects that we'll talk about. So it's like, I, I can't then sit in an edit room and color grade or mm-hmm. outsource that. There's just not enough time. And sometimes you're handing footage over to clients. Yep. And so it's actually better if you're baking things into that yep. footage because you'll know what it'll look and like. And usually it's the clients that are like, it looks great. Don't do anything. And I'm like, oh, you got to do something to it. <laughs> yeah, because you just, you shot uh, a bunch of stuff for uh, Boohoo Man. Yes. So, okay, so. Wait, we're sponsors. We're still in sponsors, yeah. but it's all part of the game. This is how people listen to the ad reads. Okay. Is that we're also telling stories throughout all of it. Um, so we've covered Photo Deox, we covered Fujifilm, and we're going to continue to talk about Fujifilm because you just use it on two big projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we also talked about, um, Puget. So I'm good. Oh, I think I'm good. You don't have any other sponsors? Not right now. Okay. For this show. Because we got a bunch for yours. So, um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Anyway. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Who else? Look around it. Look at your desk. (laughs) Take tally of your things. No, no, I'm good. So So you were just hired. So you had a sort of an exciting moment that happened. You were hired once again by GQ, Mm -hmm. right? So you have worked for GQ in the past. You did the little Nas X shoot Mm -hmm. for GQ. Then you did the uh, Robert Pattinson shoot Mm -hmm. for GQ, which was a game changer for you. Oh, my God. Physically and emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All of those things. It was transformative. (laughs) Um, and then you uh, were called back in for them to do this new project. What was the new project that you did? My friend Noel uh, over at GQ who has always to the been, show, right? Yes, who has always been a huge supporter of artists. And um, the reason why I would always come back to GQ is to work with him again. 
Uh, they were doing their first of what will be an annual creative gala. So basically, it's like the Oscars for GQ's creativity mm-hmm. awards. And it was a bunch of celebrities. And he proposed to me. He's like, we think this would be a great fit for you. Uh, we want to set up a station where we'll just filter in celebrities and shooting content for social um short pieces that are like emotionally impactful and just sell a vibe mm-hmm. knowing you have limited time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what was, it was an interesting sort of technical hurdle, yeah. right? Because you were essentially uh, on a red carpet. So to begin with, we were on a red carpet and Noel was also on the same tangent as me where we were both like, this needs to be off the red carpet because then why are we any different than all the red carpet photographers? Like we should create our own little world that's isolated. So he fought the good fight and got me a 12 by 12 or 12 by 15 (laughs) box next to the red carpet. And we blacked it out and duvetined it and created um, a little isolated station. Yeah. It's basically like a light box for you. Yeah. It was a light box. Yeah. Which is cool. And then inside this light box, I I just assume that as the celebrities made their way down the red carpet, they saw like this sort of tented in thing. Were they, did they have, uh, were they timid going into the tent initially? Uh, we had a really good atmosphere in there. So it was like music was playing, like everyone that was filled in there was just awesome. So I think as soon as they came in, they were like, okay. But it was like dark and hazy and there's a cameraman, (laughs) Cruda, that you can't even see in the back. And I just have to warn them that there is a camera over there, even if they can't see it because it's too hazy. (laughs) The beginning of it was probably weird because they're like in front of a mirror looking at themselves. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, hey, what's up? We have three minutes to do some weird shit together. <laughs> so you collaborated with uh, David Crudog? Yes, Cruda. Yeah. I had Ian producing uh, and we had just a, a small crew of amazing Adam, Hunter, Nor, just a small team of badasses. And we kind of pulled the amazing together. Mm-hmm. So then a uh, short period of time, prep-wise, you worked with Noel. Yeah, I think uh, we Noah. got the, uh, Noel, we got Noel. the pitch about a week prior. Yep. So we had to build everything. Luckily, I work in this way and I feel very comfortable shooting video, whether it's supplemental or it's priority um, in the moment, mm-hmm. which is my skill. So we... They were amazing and they were kind of like, we don't know what we want. We've never done this. You know, we want what you see on at the Oscars, which is like the red carpet tented off set build world for photo, you know, where like Mark Siegler or whatever will come in and take photos of all the the nominees. Um, So we got to create that for video, which was really cool and it felt new and interesting and I, it excited me for sure. And who'd you shoot? You had a bunch of celebs walk through there. Oh God, yeah. Well, I haven't posted any of it yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> we had Zazie Beats, Donald Glover, um, Edgar Ramirez, Abby Lee, who I didn't realize that was who that was and I'm a huge fan of her, so I... It's almost best I don't know that, you know, some people are there. <laughs> you shot that beautiful piece with the actress from Squid Games. She oh, was great. yes. Hoyan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it was, you know, building something in the moment. So everyone was nervous, obviously, because they're putting money into an idea. They have not flushed. They didn't know, 
you know, if it was going to work or not. I mean, I know that they trusted me because they were very hands off, which was amazing. But so you got to work with all these great celebrities, man. Mm-hmm. That that so I think that was the benefit, right, for you? Because at the end of the day, um, it's all about who's in front of your camera. It doesn't matter how good your techniques are and how how good your looks are. Sure, and I think it's also knowing that I'm coming into a job where people want me to do my art. That's the biggest selling point for me up there with shooting big celebrities as well. Because you saw that with Robert Pattinson, right? Because you had been doing dad cam stuff for yeah. quite some time. And you had done some pretty innovative dad cam stuff. And you started to get a little bit of attention with it when you did the little Nas X thing. But it wasn't until you did the Robert Pattinson thing that yeah. suddenly you were known as the person. The dad cam mom. The dad cam mom <laughs> that was doing all that work. So, I mean, it really does come down to who's in front of your camera. And that was a big motivation for us to move out here to Los Angeles. To yeah, begin for with. sure. I mean, it, we came out here initially because I had uh, a lot of things in the in the pipeline as far as movies are concerned, but, you know, it, it became a huge thing for you. Yeah, and it was amazing to to have that opportunity. It was crazy to like, so I had an idea of who was going to be there. They, You know, you, you just don't know who's going to show up to set. Although Walter Goggins was there and he did not come into the tent and that upsets me dearly. <laughs> Next time I want Walter Goggins in my tent. Uncle Baby Billy? <laughs> Uncle Baby Billy. <laughs> so we had this crazy schedule uh, and I was so fortunate to work with Hassan. We were in there together and we had code words for like when I needed to be done shooting. Mm-hmm. And they would say, uh, great job, Gina. I love it. But my brain would always be like, oh, that's a compliment. That's nice. <laughs> so you'd but keep Hassan shooting? Hassan kept being like, yeah, uh, great job, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it ended up being amazing. I mean, the beginning, you know, you got into the groove, of course, with anything. You can prep for 12 hours and the first person comes in, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what am I going to do now? Like, I can pretend to do this. But it came together so quickly. And I'd say halfway through, people were in a line and even when their job, their time was up, they were still hanging out outside. Like the people at GQ were just like, you created this whole atmosphere that people just wanted to hang out here. Like even after they were done with their sets. <laughs> well, that was what's genius about it, right? Yeah. Because it's a lot of fun. If you can somehow, listening, if you can somehow convince your client to let you do the fun playground stuff that you do on your own, if you could somehow create, because this is what Gene and I have always done. We've always been bored we've been in the house we've had to come up with really interesting ways to shoot stuff i think one of the most uh successful things that we did from nothing was the thing that got you b was when well, you did that first photo shoot with b like yeah i came out to la and i didn't know anyone so i was like all that i can do is offer free work to magazines and meet people and then we lost the studio the night before and so oh we had to, oh yeah i see what you're going with that yeah, yeah so we had to be here at the house and so we just were like what can we do with what we have around the house yep and we did stuff like shoot her in a reflective picture frame of chinatown and look like she was in chinatown because her face was reflected in it we did all like this really fun kind of techie cool shit and what happens is is if you set up your gear and you just play with things it gets really fun. Yeah. And it's... it. It's infectious. What also you deal with with celebrities is they're so used to this and they're so used to being thrown around like a piece of meat. Like, go into this room, do this. Mm-hmm. I remember Donald Glover didn't not want to do it, but was very much like sent in 
his agent to check it out first to scope it and see if it would be a good idea. And he ended up coming in because I think, you know, well, I don't think we did a great job. So, well, yeah. <laughs> so it's like they're used to just being forced to do things. And I think it's, you know, there's integrity behind saying no or being more selective with what you do as the artist. And also from our end, it's like create something new and fun that's going to make them feel like why they got into what they're doing in general, which is like we're creating stuff and they get to see it. My big thing is like you could see yourself while I'm shooting you. It's there's no secret. Like I don't want you to be worried about what you look like or I want you to be involved with it and like that we're doing all this weird shit and just add things to it. Yeah. So you got a small HD monitor that you're able to spin around. Yeah. Uh Uh Well, no, I will say, unfortunately we had to rent that for that shoot and those were not good monitors. (laughs) (laughs) One of them was so off on color. I was like, Kruda, you don't, you don't need to see proper color. You just missed the opportunity to just let that be. You know what? No, this is a great, Rule of thumb, bring your small HD monitor everywhere with you or else you'll have to rely on other people's monitors. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, uh, yeah. So you got this really cool opportunity to shoot something experimental. Yeah. Uh, well, it happens. So flights are always delayed and canceled. I need to like preface this. Uh, the shoot was the sixth. I made a conscientious choice. I was like, let's fly in the night of the fourth. Mm-hmm. So in case we're, you know, like no one can do what I'm like, if I suddenly don't make it in time, they just can't do it. So I decided to come in an extra night early, do a red eye, which I'd never done before. Big mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got in at uh, 7am to New York. It was Ian and I, then I didn't sleep at all on the flight because I didn't think this through. I'm terrified of flying. So I was nervous for <laughs> six hours. <laughs> then we get to the hotel at eight. They kind of promised us early check-in. No. But you guys were in a lobby. Our room wasn't ready till 1 p.m., so I fell asleep on a couch in the lobby for five hours. (laughs) Why do you do this to yourself? Then I hadn't slept at that point for... 30, 40 hours almost. Cause you know, I was up the night before packing last second before we had to leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then we had to do a location scout at 4 PM, but I was so dead that I guess I passed out so hard that Ian came into the, cause Ian's rule with me is you need to give me a hotel key. Cause I know you'll fall asleep and I need to be able to wake you up cause you'll miss it. <laughs> so I guess he came in and he was shaking me, like shaking me and like putting the phone alarm next to my face. And I wasn't waking up. He's like, I thought you were dead. So I just went and did the location scout without you. <laughs> Ian crushed by the way. He's, yeah. Ian he, did an amazing job. He always does. Yeah. He He's the best. Very, yeah. Most versatile. Yeah. And so then, all right. So then, uh, then we met up with Cruda Yeah. and then we, you know, we had to meet up with the, DP and make sure we had lots of barbecue with him before the, the set. <laughs> you guys were trying to make me jealous. I was yep. I was at home editing my movie. I didn't get to go with yep, you. Yeah, Michael couldn't go, which we'll be getting to because you need to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> so we had barbecue the night of the 5th, went home. Uh, I think I had to wake up at like, didn't get enough sleep. Yeah. So then I was awake for like 50, 60 hours, didn't get enough sleep. Then it was the day of the shoot. We have to get there early to go with the set build team to build the box and make sure that's all going well and buy the Febreze because the, the room will start to smell after hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ventilation was a, was an afterthought. Yep. <laughs> and then um, do the shoot, which was amazing. Uh, so much fun. I enjoyed it immensely. It couldn't have gone better. Everything was perfect. Uh, and then take the crew out which is a mandatory thing for me for a couple drinks afterwards mm-hmm. then i couldn't sleep mm-hmm. and the big thing was within 24 hours i needed to deliver so now i'm working on like 
zero sleep. So originally I wanted to have the, the big concept was I'll have an editor there with me because mm-hmm. I foresaw this stuff. I was like, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be worn out. Like, and also you could have been doing it night of, which is the big trick. You can't wait yeah. till the next day. So I woke up, hustled over to the world trade center, uh, worked with Noel Hassan and the team, uh, we created the Hoyan piece first, amazing, and everything was going amazingly. Uh, but then <laughs> I started to crash. <laughs> so I think you know, for anyone else who's doing this, have an editor. Yeah, because you can't do it all <laughs> yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a part of the new media right now, especially yeah. for these kind of things. Is that you know everything is time sensitive, and so we did this for Bose about a year ago, where we went down to Comic Con and yep, did the walkthrough and. Um, essentially what I did as I directed that I did day one with you guys and I sort of walked through the space and then I was back in the hotel editing day two and we were using that frame IAO upload stuff, which was really great. So I, I, that was the best scenario possible because you guys are on the set and I could just go, we need another shot of uh, dinosaur eggs where you go shoot the dragon eggs or whatever. And and you guys would shoot it, it would immediately upload right into my editor. Um, so I was able to deliver those pretty quickly, but even still, uh, you're dealing with clients oftentimes that are used to having multiple revisions, multiple people looking at things, multiple eyes on things. You really have to set the tone when you get into a job like this yeah. of like, guys, this is a fast turnaround rate. I think one of the best things that we often do is we find our music ahead of time. We actually cut yep. our music ahead of time. We put all of our bits and pieces together because if you give the clients a few days of doing that, then they feel like they're completely involved with the vibe of the piece. Yeah. And so that way, when you're, it's almost like doing a live performance when you're cutting, because you're cutting live, yep. essentially, in that moment. And um, that was, I'd say that was, everything was perfect until it came down to the edit. And it was purely a, a money-saving move to not bring an editor. Yeah. So we suffered there, but we delivered. Like, I stayed up for another 24 hours straight. I edited for 22 hours straight, <laughs> and I delivered everything because... <laughs> The next day I had to, I got a call that I needed to fly out to Jamaica (laughs) from New York. (laughs) So we crushed, I think my learning lesson, there's a learning lesson in every project. I think we, we did an amazing fucking job, but my now I will not go on a set with a 24 hour turnaround without a designated editor because one human being can't, just can't, I was also producing before that. So we weren't sleeping for days before that. And it, I just hit that. Yeah, you know, where I just called you crying because I was like, I am so emotionally unwell because of a lack of sleep. Like, <laughs> you need to help me right now. <laughs> but we did a great job, and it was amazing. And again, Noel Hassan, the whole team, Will Welsh was amazing on that as well. He just came in, approved something instantly. I was like, this is what we need: someone who's able to walk into the room, give you no notes, be like, this is great, and have that trust. Like, they have a great system going on there. So, I do. I did love that. I did love them. Um, Good. Yeah, and then. Um, before we get into, you know, where you ended up, mm-hmm. um, the results of that. So you did that piece, that piece got released. It's such an, a new looking piece. It's such an original idea. Yeah. And I, we were properly credited. Yep. Thank you, Noel. So what, within a week of that reached out to us. Oops. Are you allowed to say that? I don't know. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. A brand yeah. <laughs> that makes things that we use every day, all day long. <laughs> I think you're allowed. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we just cut out the, the word. Yeah. <laughs> Another edit. Sorry. 
<laughs> um, so we so, got reached out by a big company. No, I'll just bleep it out. So okay. you got reached out by uh, the, one of the biggest and uh, they wanted you to do something very similar, but just on a larger scale, yeah, which was the, amazing. The same thing. They sent an agency our GQ videos and we're like, we want that. Find that person that did that. Yes. Which is crazy. And we won't go into specifics. No, but that is the power of crediting people. And yep. if you're not getting paid enough on something or if there are any other kind of struggles, the best thing you can do is, is credit them if you have a large. Um, and thank you to, to our team at GQ that really made sure that that happened. That was a big thing for them to, to be able to do that for us. And I, I yeah. wholeheartedly appreciate that. Yeah, because now it's led you to a whole new avenue yeah. of work. Which something new and fun I can do for a couple of years and then be like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then you were uh, exhausted and then oh you're in God. the middle of a cut and then you call me and you go, I just got a phone call <laughs> to go to Jamaica. Should I go to Jamaica? And I was like, <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. I only dude. brought winter clothes <laughs> and Ian makes fun of me. I always bring double the amount of underwear I need for any job. So I was like, okay, this is a four day trip. I'm bringing eight pairs of underwear. And mind you, Jamaica was another four days. <laughs> uh, so uh, so then the next thing you know, you're jumping on an airplane out of JFK oh or wherever, and you're headed to Yes, Jamaica. I had like 30 minutes to go buy a couple linen pieces on the streets of New York so that I wouldn't die. And then I had to do another flight to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was stressful. Well, actually, it was fast. That was the good thing is I was flying from New York, so it was a two and a half hour trip. Mm-hmm. which was great. But then it was two and a half hours we were shooting out in like right near the jungle. So <laughs> then we took a two and a half hour trip out to the hotel. Then I had 30 minutes after that to shower before we had to get onto set. So I had another <laughs> two nights that I didn't sleep. <laughs> Gina called me and she was like, I'm getting in a car. I'm getting in a cab. I don't know where I'm going. I'm, I'm going to fall asleep. And so we track, we have, a, we have our location statuses for each other. And so I remember I was up because it was late here and I was up, I think I was editing. So I just put my phone on the desk and I had you tracking so I could see where you were driving on the island. Which was good because I definitely woke up at the hotel being like, oh, I've been asleep for two hours. <laughs> but luckily we met Adam. Ian found Adam who was working with me. We hadn't met before the GQ job, but our connection was like so seamless that I asked him if he wanted to come to Jamaica with me. <laughs> He's like, what? I asked him like the morning of, I'm like, do you want to go to Jamaica today? <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> and he was the shit. He was the best partner in crime for that wild job. Well, that was for Boohoo. So you went yes, out there for Boohoo, man. My besties at Boohoo, Cleveland and mm-hmm. Habiba, they're all my favorite people to work with. So I will just jump on a plane to go work with them. <laughs> and you got thrust into some interesting shit, right? It was a... a uh, it was a different vibe for you that you hadn't done in a while. Yeah, it was fully documentary fashion style, which honestly is my favorite thing I've done with them so far. I think I really thrive in being in exotic places and just as living in that world and seeing what I love to, you know, observing. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of observing, which I loved. Um, and it was like these like little motorcycle. Like- yeah, we started our day at Winifred Beach uh, with just a bunch of people on dirt bikes Mm-hmm. And we shot there, and I think I fell asleep on the sand for a little bit, a couple times. I'd just wake up, and my my camera would be on the floor, and I'm like, "Oh my god, is no one watching me?" <laughs> uh, so we shot that for the first day, and then we were in this wild hotel that felt like a Dave Lynch hotel from the outside, with all the checkerboards uh-huh. on the floor. That was super cool. You had security, right? Wasn't we the had se- security the whole time? Wasn't his name like Al, Al Pacino? Pacino. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. 
And uh, all the stray dogs. Oh my God, so many stray dogs. That video is like 20% stray dogs. I know, you brought footage. I'm like, there's another dog here. <laughs> They're infested with fleas. I don't care. Fleas don't usually last on humans. I don't think so. <laughs> well, I don't have any now, so apparently it wasn't that bad. Uh-huh. We'd shot there for two days. Wild. We had to uh, line a cliff. Cleveland is the best collaborator because he is so driven to shoot what he wants to shoot and like we'll drive by something even though he's booked out a location somewhere else and he's like this is a better spot and somehow he'll work his magic and we'll be shooting there so it's like he left the bus for 10 minutes found like a cliff to line and then found that crazy green area where I shot that Mm -hmm. epic shot of the guys Mm -hmm. so it's always fun with them they're like they're my style where it's just what's the best thing we can make and even if that's off the script Mm -hmm. let's go do that yeah you have fun with those I always have fun with them yeah and then uh, you brought the footage back Cut the footage for you, which Within was fun. Within like two days, we delivered that project as well. That was we, a two-day shoot. <laughs> we also hit another discovery. So when we do these pieces, our work is very much associated, especially with the cut. The sound. is sound. So it's all about the music. It's all about the sound effects and stuff. And what we've done in the past is we've sort of mined through like Jambox um, we've mined through all of our favorite sure, stuff. Sure, but it's been tough, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like, we'll ask what people want, and that's tough because then you're, it's like sh- someone showing you a picture and being like, but what about this picture did you like? And there's, right. there's not that time when the turnaround is so fast. So Right, and then they'll send like, you know, here's a fucking Jay-Z track, and you're like, well, whoa, I'm not going to find a Jay-Z sounding track on Jambox, you know what I mean? So, so the great discovery that you made this time was that we have an amazing producer Mm-hmm. in the same house as us. Mm-hmm. So we solicited Tran to make the music on that Boohoo piece and the subsequent following one. Because mm-hmm. was, that was a new thing for you. Yeah. It makes your life a lot easier because then your clients could still send you some popular track. Mm-hmm. And if you're working with a composer that you can pay, that composer can, and if they're talented, Mike's incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. So he has the ability to understand the sound that they like and be able to play within those genres. He's not replicating that track. He's playing within that genre and creating something new. And since him and I worked, because Mike did an amazing job of all the sound mixing, all the sound effects work on the new film. So Mm -hmm. he did an amazing job. So him and I were already working together, hustling hard that week to deliver. And, uh, you know, him and I have a second language. So I'm able to go in the room and go, all right, it's a 30 second cut. It's a 20 second cut. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a 60 second cut. I need a build here. I need a crescendo. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. And he'll build that out specifically, which is great because I would normally have to do that when I found tracks elsewhere. Yep. So now adding that tool to the kit. And the problem is that clients don't think about that at all. And it's on us as the artists to go, the reason why you like our work is because of how it sounds. Sure, it looks great, and there's all sorts of skill that goes into how I captured this thing, but the reason why you're moving and the reason why you like it is because of the way it sounds. So do not skimp out on that. Like, put aside a little bit of money, and it's not a lot of money. Put aside a little bit of cash, and you can get some really great stuff, and and stuff that you can further manipulate with, Mm -hmm. you know? lesson for you listeners uh sell your stuff don't second rate your shit and know your know your strengths and if your clients aren't aware of what it is that you put into your work remind them that it costs money because otherwise you'll end up like you were in new york fucking 23 hours editing in a space by yourself (laughs) 
Oh, exhausted. I, I was around. Oh, that's not true. I was in the hotel room by myself. Exhausted. For most of those hours. <laughs> you know, and it, like. It, but I will say, if you've let GQ, Noel stayed till like 10 p.m. with me that night. He didn't have to. I'm sure he had other things to do, but he was like, I will stay while you're here. I'm here to support. And I was like, thanks. And believe me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shitting on them. I'm no, not second rating them. I'm just, and there's priorities but it's for just them. Stuff that, it's stuff that in retrospect, you only know, I would only know that I cannot sacrifice the editor because physically, on jobs that are that fast, that requires too much of your physical yes. body. Yes. What, producing to shooting to editing, you're going to break down. It doesn't matter how old you are or how much you've slept, you're going to break down. So it's like, yes, would it have been extra money to have an editor? But it's non-negotiable now because it's going to make sure you get your things on time at the best quality at someone who's had sleep to pick up where you left off. Yep. So it's necessary. And it's also, I mean, you're talking to a guy who's turning 45 this year. Yeah. The stamina, you can't keep up with that. Yep. Eventually, you're just going to get exhausted. You won't be able to, to stay with that. No, and it's like if you're half... And for me, I love the experience. So if I'm half asleep the whole time just trying to get through, it's like, Why are you that's doing not it? enjoyable to yeah. me either. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I want to be enjoying the creative process. But there's also a level that you're not going to progress fast enough either. So like if you're constantly in that mode, and I was in that mode for years with certain clients. Draining your battery. You're just draining your battery, but you're also like, fuck, if, you, if I just had the resources, this could be better and this could be better. And you're always, it's all about how you sell yourself and pigeonhole yourself and market yourself. And if you're the person that like, hey, I can get things done then you're always going to be the person that can get things done. And here's the deal. You're always going to get handed those jobs that are impossible to do. And you're going to be capped off at how much you can do creatively. For me, it's all about collaboration. I yeah. might seem very hands-off on something, but that's because I've appointed someone whose work I want to add to the project. So it's like, mm -hmm. whether it's a stylist or an editor, all those are such important things that one person shouldn't be doing. Your no. project will be gravely hurt if, if you're not allowing others into the process. That's directing. Mm -hmm. that's directing that's the that's the definition of directing mm -hmm. a lot of people think and i think it's because of the the need and the the urgency to do everything yourself especially when you're younger people think and assume that a director has their hands in everything yeah you do as far as supervision is concerned and as far as like ideas and motivations and inspirations yep. you're in everything but you're not physically sewing clothes like there's a quote from tarantino he's like i don't know how to sew fucking clothes that's why i work with fucking uh, wardrobe stylists yeah. and people you know you don't have to be doing all this stuff and there's nothing wrong and i've said on the show multiple times you should know how it all works and have an understanding of how it works yeah. how long it takes for things to work mm -hmm. but you don't have to fucking do all that stuff mm -mm. spend more time learning how to delegate Delegation. Mm -hmm. And figuring out what you like. Because at the end of the day, everyone wants to hear how you see it coming together, not how they can do their job better. Like That's why you get hired, is yep. for your taste. Mm -hmm. It's for the brain that we ah, talked about. Ah, the brain. It's for the brain, man. <laughs> That's why you're getting hired. It's those life experiences. It's the little Gina sitting at home trying to figure out what purse she's going to wear. <laughs> little coin purse. I remember that. I just had one in my bag and I was like, I don't like the way this looks. Why am I using it then? It reflects upon me. <laughs> what you're hearing right now is inner monologue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this microphone went inside your brain. Um, yeah. So that boohoo job was great. Mm -hmm. Then busy beaver, baby. Within a week, they had another boohoo job in Malibu. Oh, and before that I had a shoot before the in February, I had a shoot, which was that personal shoot I did with that amazing model. Oh, the actress from uh, mm -mm, the model. Uh, oh, uh, uh, yes, the the shoot I did at the house. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot you did that. She yeah. was wonderful. She was amazing. And I can't wait to get to those photos, and I feel bad that I haven't yet, but yes. I need to she make was that great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we did that. Then a couple days later, we did the Michelle Randolph for Numero. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Amazing. That was the first time I got to implement an idea I've had since I was a kid. Another example of an artist that got so involved with our yeah. process mm-hmm. that when she was leaving, she's like, can I help you guys move stands and it's like what do you what do you know you can't <laughs> like she wanted to be so involved with what we were doing the whole and it time. helps when you have good pr so i have my friends at that pr company who weren't afraid to put us in touch so we were able to have conversations with each other instead of her coming to set being like uh because you've had know. both sides of that yeah. coin yeah so that was amazing and by the time she got to set we were synced and i knew that i was doing stuff that she would respond well to so it just was a very symbiotic experience and that was a great set we there was this moment we were laughing on set because she's great and when you and i work together we have a different relationship Mm -hmm. right because we've been in this (laughs) since the beginning and so gina and i the way we work when she hires me to light for her is i know she's doing like 400 things at the same time and when you're lighting for someone that is as ADD and as intense as you are, it's not like you're just setting up light units and then you walk away. It's not like I go in and I go, here's the light set up, and I check with the light mirror and I go, okay, and then I go sit down and craft services. Mm-hmm. Gina's consistently moving, consistently all over the fucking place. And so whenever I put lights up, they're on wheelie stands. Everything's, everything's movable. Mm-hmm. And so when you're shooting, oftentimes I don't get last looks. Mm-hmm. So I don't get looks until you start shooting. Yeah, until I'm like, oh, wait, I don't like this. And so she starts filming. I'm working the whole time. So it's a marathon run for mm-hmm. me. So I'm running around and I'm tweaking the light. And if you guys are lighting for photos, you understand that if you're using a softbox unit, it's not just about setting up that softbox and pointing it at a person. It's about turning it away. And you, the movement of two inches changes the entire look mm-hmm. of a thing. So... What we're doing is we're constantly running around and oftentimes I will be moving things and Gina will be shooting and I can't get over there soon enough. So I'll get over there to do it and I'll go, Gina, shoot, 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 shoot. So I'll start yelling across set to her like, shoot again, shoot again, shoot again. And she'll grab the camera and go over and go, what? what? Okay. Bam, bam, bam. And she's shooting. And so there was multiple times that we were working uh, and Michelle was there and and I would just go, Gina, come on, just shoot this thing. And so I'm just yelling across the room and Michelle just looks at me and she goes, what is your deal? Like, you guys have a weird, what do you do? <laughs> it's like, well, today I'm just a lighting tech. And the people also don't, don't know that we're in a relationship because yeah. we're not like, we're a couple. And so she's like, what is it? How does this, I've never heard a lighting technician yelling at the photographer to shoot something. Yeah, abuse. Yeah. And I said, it's, uh, and she goes, well, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm underpaid. It's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's great. Like she had a lot of fun on that shoot. Yeah, and we created some gorgeous stuff. That was mostly a one source mm-hmm. with the Have photo. Have you been noticing that the... your life has just been more about simplicity, and you're yeah. dialing everything back now? Mm-hmm. It's becoming it's simplistic. Good. Because that, that in the simplicity, you have room for refinement. Yes, this is true. And now your images look really great. And now you're having so Now they look really great. Yeah, they've just become great. Before Ugh. that, they were okay. You know? Jesus Christ. <laughs> They're getting so good that you are feeling insecurities on your, on your edit process now, where you're like, these images look so good, I don't know how much editing I should be doing on this stuff. I will never say that like that, ever. <laughs> That's very pompous. <laughs> um, 
I am running into, well, I don't know, because then I go so simplistic that I'm like, does this need something else? And it's some, some, you know, this has only happened to maybe four or five images, but I just won't t- retouch them at all. Or I'll struggle with it for nine hours and then be like, I'm I just going to leave it anything. unedited, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, is a struggle. <laughs> it is a struggle, right? Because <laughs> this was something that when I was sitting here with uh, Jonathan from Big Black Delta, and we were talking about music for the movie, and we came into the space, and I had all these preconceived notions, right? So I'm like, okay, as a director, I want to ha- set up themes. So I think there should be a theme, and I wanted multiple themes to run through this whole thing. And so we were sitting here watching stuff, and he was like, I don't think you need anything here. And I'm like, yeah, but I think we're setting up themes. And yeah, it was temp- a royalty-free temp music. Yeah, and, and I was temping like, in tracks, and he's like, I think that track's would, really great. Why, yeah, why, why would, would you, you have me, me replicated if you already like it? And so he was, he was bringing up a lot of this different stuff, and, I, and he said to me, he's always really good at this. He turned to me and he goes, dude, why are you overworking it? Sometimes our job is just finding things, or things are are presented to us. And our job is just to take those things in. I think his quote was something like, if if I baked you a cake and I handed you a cake and then you put your hands into it and pulled it all apart and went, oh, I'm going to put this cake back together. He's like, I wouldn't give you another fucking cake. Mm-hmm. He's like, so oftentimes what we do as creators is we're just receptors for what's happening around us. And the elements that we put into place and the stuff that comes out of those elements. And oftentimes we feel like we need to overwork them. And we feel like that's our fucking job. Like, oh, I don't have enough of a hand in this. Or, oh, I have to force this cut. And there are moments in the edit where you'll see me cutting things and you'll be like, why did we cut to that rando shot? And I'm like, ah, because I wanted to put it in there. That's me overworking it. And most of the time, if I take those things out, you don't even notice that they were there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing that happens with photo editing. Yeah. Because when you were younger in this business and you didn't have all the resources, you didn't have the experience, the one place that you had the most amount of manipulation, the most amount of time was in the edit. Yeah, and just the, learning technical stuff to get excited about that because you you haven't refined everything else. And you weren't putting anybody else, uh, you weren't putting them out. Like, it was only you. Yeah. So you can sit there for as long as you wanted and recut things and over-edit them and do whatever it is that you want to do. And by... No means by saying that that work isn't great because you found some really great techniques that still carry over from all of that work. But that's what happens when we're younger and we're trying to learn things. We're trying to pull things together. A yeah. lot of younger artists out there, they're about replicating. Like when I was younger, I was trying to replicate David Fincher. And my first two movies were just me attempting to do so. Mm-hmm. And I felt like when I was able to replicate just a piece of what I loved about Fight Club. If I was doing a music video and I'm like, oh, I was able to replicate the lighting look that he did for Fight Club. That was the the thing for me. And it's the piece in the sense that like, I love that lighting setup in that photo. So I'm going to use that one source inspiration, but it's like being able to pull that from all sorts of different things. And that's creativity mm-hmm. in general. It's not like there's a difference between replicating someone and then pulling pieces of all the things that you like because I you know holistic stuff where are you going to start with nothing you need something you need something that excites you you need something that you liked or like something you want to interpret so I I think that everything we do is some culmination of what we've seen and what we still remember and Mm -hmm. and I think it's just time in and experience the amount of time that you spend doing on something that you end up becoming very good at replicating multiple things that you can then use those as part of your language. Yeah, yeah, that's the real thing, right? Is what is your language? If you're just getting good at technical replication, then 
you just focus is wrong. Right. But you have to know how to put together a sentence. So you, you go through the process of like figuring out words and grabbing these words, and then you put together a sentence that looks like someone else's sentence. But then over time, you realize, well, I like the and and, so those are coming over here. And on this one, I like this and that, and those are coming over here. And usually it's some sort of weird life experience that fucking triggers you to go off on some sort of like my head injury was a big part of it for me. Like there's something that happens to you that you're like, this means something. Like, mm-hmm. this impact means something. Let me go back to that collection of sentences and words and try to replicate how I was emotionally feeling through this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh, don't put your mouth on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we're, uh, we're hitting our point because you have to get your shit together. Yeah, I got to go. But You, you got to go. Where did we did we talk about all the shoots? I think so. I think we tackled a Michelle. good a good point of oh, it. Well, then there was the boohoo in Malibu, mm-hmm. and that leaves us. Who did it? Do? Oh, and then we had Alyssa Sutherland for Numero, who's the lead in the new Evil Dead. Oh yes, yeah, has which, that come out yet? I think it's supposed to come out today, but I don't know. Yeah, so you I'm shot sure. the the actress from the Evil Dead. Yes, she was lovely. Mm-hmm. That was a fun shoot for you. Mm-hmm. All that stuff shot with Fuji. All, all of it. Fuji. So those of you who are like, how does Gina get her look? It's all Fuji. All you have to do is just go buy all those products yeah. and you'll be able to replicate it exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has absolutely nothing to do with the individual that uses it. Don't worry. We'll find some sort of... I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I'm all about technical stuff. I know everything there is to know about the yeah. technical side of our industry. <laughs> we'll get some sort of AI, like a satellite-centered adapter for this camera so that way it'll say well when gina was shooting she was shooting at this aperture and she was doing this I wish we had time to talk about ai no i've, I've got enough ai episodes coming up <laughs> um but uh look let's wrap this up I, look at the end of the day i'm proud of the work you're doing i'm proud of the growth that you've done you know like i love us there's something really great about being able to walk into a room and not have to not be worried about the person you're with to mm-hmm. be with that person and go like they not only are the most charming person in the space but they also have such a passion for creating and such a passion for people and an understanding of people and how they work and the work that you showcase is just a piece of who you are because you and i are so close to each other mm-hmm. and it's just the piece of how you see the world and I'm lucky because I get to see all of the other stuff that most people don't get to see. So for those of you who are looking through the window at Gisela, it's about 10% of the way that you see the stuff. And so I'm I'm just proud to be able to be Aww. a part of that. I'm happy that some of my stink gets put on your shit, which Lots is nice. It. It's very stinky, Mike Stinky. Yeah, I got some stinks in there. Um, and then, you know, you keep me, it's nice to be employed. So every once in a while, I get a nice check for the work. It's a, it's a minor check. It's yeah. A, it's a very low check. Look who's in the other room. It's Mike Tran. Hi, buddy. Tran, 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 Tran. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what's up. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm, I uh, had many days of notice for this episode, so. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled over and I went, did you want to do a podcast today? <laughs> um, was there anything that you forgot or missed? Oh. Anything that you because you wanted to be on the show, I don't think so. I think we tackled no, I everything. Think, I think we're at two hours, and I do gotta get the fuck out of here. All right, I'll let you go. I'll let you. But go. I think this was a good episode, and just cut out all that stuff that I want you to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you for having me as always. I'm so proud of you and what you do and that you have so much zest for this career. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I don't appreciate all the editing I have to do. I love you. Yeah, whatever. I see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.